Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How's it going? Good, Jeff. How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Happy February. Happy almost middle of February already. Time is flying. Just doing doing the thing it's been it doing. It is. It does what it does best. Man, that's wild. Yeah, everybody, thank you. Hope everybody got a chance to listen to the special episode I dropped last week in which I had North, nerdcore hip-hop artist MC Lars and Shaper the Dark Lord on to talk about the their new album 999 in which they talk about kind of like the more darker side of disney mm-hmm. and hope you're enjoying those tracks because it is now available for streaming and purchase if you would like uh, i highly recommend you at least listen to it and let us know what you think give them a like and a follow because they're awesome people and mcr has always been gracious enough to come and talk about whatever latest work he has going on and it's always just a fun time they're good people so Drop that. I recorded it last fall just because of family things and doing this podcast it and them telling me it wasn't kind of like a rush to get it out. I didn't feel I didn't have the pressure, but I'd been meaning to do it. And then knowing that we would have a week off, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and knock this out now and get it dropped. And then just come to find out we dropped. We ended up dropping the episode the day before the album came out. And I thought they had like another week for some reason. But hey. That's called Yes, sir. So, yeah. so, yeah, Patrick, why do we have a week off? <laughs> I had okay, to do two, my... Two, 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 two reasons why we had a week off, but the main reason is... I had to serve my civic duty, <laughs> as they call it. Yeah. Jury duty. Like, I originally got the summons back in October, yeah. but it had listed, like, uh, November 27th. I'm like, that's the holidays. I don't... <laughs> You know, let me get right. through the, the rest of the year. And so I uh, postponed it till January. What I didn't realize is I, I opted for email notification of when that time was, paper email. And I don't check my yeah. personal email a lot because it's a lot of junk mail I get for right. all the wonderful things I signed up for. And Technically, so is your email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I happened to see a notification about failure to appear. And I'm like, what is this? So I was supposed to went the 29th, the previous Monday of when I went. And so I called and, you know, of course they asked, so what happened? Did you, you know, you just, you know, I forgot what they actually asked. I said, I just don't check my email. I didn't realize I selected an option. I was expecting a a letter. And so when I never saw it, I just didn't think about it. And so, well, we'll just, you know, just do it this Monday coming up. So I'm like, all right, cool. Done. (laughs) Done deal. I put up. You know, no, no, set, put it on my calendar just so I get, so I wouldn't forget. Right. And I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just two, two days. That's they good. did. Yeah. They had like three cases and one they felt was going to definitely go longer than a week. And so yeah. I was like, well, I don't think I want that one, but I don't have a choice on where I get selected. So we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> and end up getting a civil case and it just took two days. Really okay. like that, like the first day was all about interviewing the jury and them picking who they wanted amongst the 13 in the box. And the next day was 
pretty much hearing the testimony from everyone. And, you know, I think by five, we'd heard, heard everything. And so we had the choice of we can go ahead and head home and then come back tomorrow and deliberate or just knock it out now. Everybody was like, yeah, right. we'll just go ahead and knock it out. Because <laughs> a lot of people there had already been making different, you know, rescheduling things in their yeah. life because they didn't think they'd get chosen. Right. And uh, we had two attorneys that was amongst us. And that actually helped out because right. of the 12 of us, you know, two of us actually knew things about law. So everyone else was their first time in the jury box and they helped us with things that we didn't understand. And it helped us get that verdict a lot quicker, a lot sooner and more accurately than just trying to find a verdict. It wasn't, you know, it felt, it felt like we really just, we came to a right decision instead of just trying to get it done. You know? Yeah. So that was what I was happy about. Cause I didn't want it to feel like a rush job. Like everybody's trying to go home. Let's just do something. And I mean, it turned out turned out well. It ended up being that what we had was a retrial from a previous time where mm. it was 11 to 1. They tried to get this one juror to get on board, and he wouldn't. They got to arguing, and they just had to throw it, throw it mm. out for a mistrial. And so this time, they were really just trying to find a verdict one way or the other, you know, in 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 plaintiff's case or on the for the defendant. It didn't matter. We just needed a decision, a clear-cut decision we don't even care if y'all paper rock scissors just something yeah we just need whatever because this this situation it was an accident that happened back in 2019 and so oh wow yeah yeah and then you know by the time they were trying to get things going that's when covid hit so that pushed a lot of things back during that time and then when they finally was able to go forward with it mistrial so these people have been waiting a lot for a verdict (laughs) so but it was a it was a cool first experience it's a slow process. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I guess if I did it again, I'd be curious about a criminal case, but I'm not too fond of that because I don't. I wouldn't want the person seeing my face and then if they do get out, they have this vendetta of going after all the jurors. Yeah. I don't want to be that movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but this was a good first time trial and case to be a part of. But I'd say William Neeson's got to retire at some point, man. You might as well go ahead and pick up the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess if somebody has to do it, then that means I need, I need to get my skills up. I need to get my yep. special skills up then. You should. <laughs> but yeah. It's like, wait, I have to go outside though? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got to be around people. I should be my... around people. This is a biggest, that's a bigger punishment, man. Yeah. My that, that, my social media was done because <laughs> I'm in a room with the people I do not know <laughs> at all. Yep. And so I'm already struggling. And yeah. now we got to come up to this decision. And I mean, I engaged a little bit, yeah, yeah. but, but it wasn't until after we were finished when I really kind of collected my thoughts on what I thought about everything, but everybody was on page, same page either way. I mean, there's another guy that was kind of like me. He was real quiet, but he spoke too, but it was, he was being here. We're kind of in the same boat where we weren't really wanting to be there. Yeah. <laughs> really, you know, just feeling that kind of weird, but, and then, you know, we were deliberating. People started talking about podcasts and I was like, Ooh, maybe I should say something. But then it's like, man, I hate podcasts. Like, oh, nope, never mind. And we're good. <laughs> never mind. I'll I'll hush. Yep. And we're um, good. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. You hate podcasts, <laughs> man. Do I have one for you? <laughs> <laughs> but overall, it was it was a good experience. The judge was nice. He talked to us afterwards and let us know the situation of the retrial, and you know, shook everybody's hand and. Thought he was gonna be. He, look, he looks kind of mean, but he was actually pretty nice. 
He's been okay. he's been doing he's been doing his job for a while, so he come yeah. across a little bit. But he's all about serving. Like I mean, he's he's cool. been up there in age, but he still loves what he's doing, and you can tell. That's that's all that matters. Yep. Well, awesome. Second reason was I didn't get the chance to go see Argyle, so I'm like I don't really have. So I could find a couple of things, but why don't we take a week off? This will give me more time to go see it. And here we are a week later, and I still haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, maybe I can go tonight. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah. You had nothing too exciting for us in that time. But, yeah, it was pretty cool, though. Yeah, everybody's doing good. Kids got a little sick and everything, but everybody's good. You know, just usual stomach bug stuff yeah grayson thought she hurt her wrist and took her to the doctor it's not broke or anything still refer to store orthopedics just in case and they just said that she has what's called a gymnast wrist so you know just all of those all the pressure that she puts on her wrist you know from doing handstands flips mm. stuff like that is just on it's it's hard on young gymnasts especially when they're growing right so yeah so they gave her like the natural wear and tear from all of her activity yeah pretty much so they but yeah they they got her hooked up and told her what she you know what she can do and how to prevent which is good because we're going out of town this weekend for competition and so it's going to be so yeah, it's my mom's coming down to come watch the competition. So we're yeah. we're definitely we're definitely glad that she's feeling better. And then we watched the game last night. You know, the, the last foosball game of the season, at least. Yeah. And yeah, it was enjoyable. As I was telling you, I said it was like the one night. You know, I feel that award shows and. Sport, big sporting events are where, or it's when Twitter actually shines because all the memes come out and they're just priceless, like just yeah. gold. And yeah, really loved it. So it was, well, the last half, second half was exciting. Overtime was great. Our, I can't, I, I mean, you could not have scripted this any better. No pun intended. Well, hold it. But, <clears throat> with eight seconds left, or less, or no, I take it back. With a minute left, our power went out. Dang. For for about five seconds, which meant we then still had to wait for the internet to reboot, so we can mm-hmm. then connect it to the TV, so that yeah. we can then get the game back on. So I legit had to pull the game up on my phone using cellular, and we caught it right at the eight second mark, right before the last play of the game. Well, and we again, watch, we had to watch time. it on my phone. We had to watch it on my phone. Yeah. And so one thing I thought was kind of cool that they did this year. So because CBS and Paramount, Nickelodeon, and all same company and all that. Yeah. They had on Paramount Plus or even just on the Nickelodeon like channel that you can watch on Hulu. They were they were broadcasting the football game, but they had SpongeBob and Patrick as the as two commentators along with, you know, an actual person. Yeah. To do, you know, to call the play by play. And 
for adults, it was great for a couple minutes. And then it got to be a bit much because they were kind of talking over each other. Mm -hmm. But one thing I, I saw a clip of that was really cool is that whenever there was like a foul, you know, a foul or a call, they would have a character pop up and then explain the rules. Like yeah. Dora popped up and explained what a false start was. And it was really cool. So okay. I was like, is it all right? Yeah. Way to, you know, that's a great way to try and get kids to not only understand, but want to watch the game. Keep them engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they had like their little animation overlap in the screen. So mm -hmm. anytime someone scored a touchdown, they had the, you can't do that on television, slime shoot yeah. from both ends of the end zone into the middle. Yeah. And so the, you know, the end zone was green and everything it was really cool. And then like the first, first down marker that they always have, you know, to show where the first, you know, where the first down is, was pineapple tech, you know, uh, design. Yeah. And then they had the line of where the line of scrimmage, you know, and different color. And it, it was really cool. It's, it, it, I liked it. Again, the voices were a bit much, you know, after a few minutes. But Grayson liked it. So I had to go back into her room, put the game back on, you know, and so, and then rewind it so she can watch the last of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Halftime was dope. Usher. Well, Usher had well, me. I didn't watch anything, so I'm just listening. That, I, I didn't catch. I didn't you, catch. I didn't watch it. I just decided right, not gotta, to. Yeah, you should at least look up the halftime show at the very least, because okay. they had they had Alicia Keys on, who looked stunning. No big shock there. Alicia Keys was on. They had Jermaine Dupree on, but I'm glad to say I wasn't the only one alone that thought that that it was CeeLo Green. Thing. When you hey when you when you see his when you see him in his outfit one he looks like Angus Angus McFadden from ACDC in his outfit. <laughs> Someone said the Pilgrim, but I was like, I don't know about that one. I did see one picture where they say he looked like Mini Me yeah. from Awesome Powers. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I had to watch. Yeah. See. You have to watch. Yep. Yeah. Usher looked dope. He came out. He had like two different costume changes, mm -hmm. and. He came out looking like in this really awesome kind of shimmery black and blue. I call it a Nightwing outfit because that's what he looked like to me. He looked like a, a Nightwing variant of yeah. sorts. And then, you know, then they had like roller skaters and stuff. I was like, oh, they're turning into a pink routine. I like this. <laughs> but but it was dope. And then, of course, Ludacris came out and Little John was there. Yeah. Everybody, you know, they, I knew it was going to be a good show. I mean, uh, I'm not like a huge like Usher fan, but I absolutely will watch him dance anytime. Like Homeboy's got moves. Yeah. I mean, he's just smooth. I mean, just all his dance moves are smooth. And so it one thing was funny. My mom sent me a text during the show. She goes, You know, Usher, you and Usher share a birthday. He's only he's he's only a year younger than you. That's a that explains why he was sweating like he was, because I sure as hell would be. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's a, but actually, at first I sent her the gift that said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it makes uh, sense for him to perform since he already had that, since he was already performing in Vegas. So it makes, yeah. sure, it makes sense just, hey, we're in Vegas Super Bowl, so we'll have Usher perform. <laughs> yeah, well, and apparently him and his longtime girlfriend got married in Vegas this weekend, like before the Super Bowl. But, I said, with the way he was hugging on Alicia Keys, I'd be sure to get a ring on it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did see that. I saw a snapshot of that. I was like, 
right. Usher could just do yep. do what Usher do. <laughs> yep. But no, it was a great halftime show. It, uh, very entertaining. And we found out in Beyonce's commercial for Verizon that she's dropping a new album March 28th? Wait, March. It's going to be a country-inspired album. Okay. So get ready for uh, Beyonce and Chaps during their next tour. I didn't have that on my bingo card, but okay. Nope, neither. <laughs> I, I, and it's like, hold on. You mean to tell me I'm going to get a Beyonce con- country-inspired album before I get a country... Before I get a Kelly Clarkson country album, that's some bullshit right there. <laughs> like hey. Homegirl used to live. Homegirl lived here. She's from Texas. She's she's collaborated on two country songs. She's even released one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she basically just we take we take a song and put it in a different genre. She yeah. basically did that. I'm like, girl, just make the al- make an album already. Oh well, it's all good. I'll, I'll one day maybe one day. But yeah, it was. So yeah, it's a Queen Bee's dropping the Trentory album into March, and then of course, as Taylor Swift announced at the Grammys, she's got another album that'll be dropping in April. I'm more interested once her and Travis's relationship ends, yeah. how that album will be, because oh. you know it seems like she always has songs about her relationships after it's yeah. over. So yeah, that, that's that's sh- <laughs> and there are some that aren't, but yeah. yeah. But people only, I think, and I think that's, that's like, so three or four albums ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, the past couple haven't really been. This one, but like, even Midnight's wasn't really about breakup so much. And Folklore and, Ever, and Evermore weren't. Those were, like, nice little coffeehouse music style. It was about missing, you know, what, you know, people more than anything. Yeah. Anyways. No Swifty, but I do like I did like the two Coffee House albums, and even Midnight's is good too. I like that one. It was produced by Jack Antonoff, who was in a band some people know as Fun. Dot Fun period with uh, Nate Ruiz. They had the song Some Nights and Carry On and a couple of. Anyways, he then formed the band Bleachers, and they released three albums. Fourth one's coming out also in March. And then I'm going to see them in May. Anyways, he's produced a ton of albums. He's produced, I think, Taylor's at least three of Taylor Swift's albums, if not more. Four. Uh, no, he's done at least four because he's won four Grammys for him. So yeah. Okay. Do 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 do. Yeah. Then we'll transition from the game to trailers. So Super Bowl trailers are always movie trailers. Are always a big draw for people that could care less about the game but want to see the commercials even the commercials themselves are not as great as they used to be like in the 90s as that was like the thing you get excited about now it's movie trailers and then you know watching the movie trailers on on during the super bowl time they've now gotten away from really showing the full trailer they show you teaser trailers and then at the end of the commercial say full trailer online now yeah because they don't want to pay because the Super Bowl airtime, so you know it's it's not a little, it's not, it's not it's, cheap. It's, it's not cheap. Nope. So not dog. We're just gonna give you thirty seconds. Here is the <laughs> you're gonna watch the two and a half minute one. Just scan know, the QR on. code. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. So first and foremost, we got Deadpool three, which already is probably gonna go on my 
most excited until something better comes around. Of course, Ryan Reynolds. Now, today, I only know this because it popped up in my memories. Eight years ago today is when the first Deadpool movie dropped in theaters. So we're looking at, yeah, eight years, three movies. Not bad. Not at all. And now two different studios. (laughs) Yeah. This is not Fox. This is actual Marvel Studios. Yeah. And mind you, on IMDb, they don't even have a rating for it yet. I feel it's going to be R. <laughs> I mean, they got no I, choice. Yeah. You, it can't, don't nerf, can't nerf Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the only synopsis it has is the irresponsible hero Deadpool will change the history of the MCU with Wolverine. Question mark. Actually, exclamation point, question mark. Expected July 26, 2024. So, as we saw in the trailer, Deadpool gets taken by the TVA. So there you go. I didn't didn't see that. (laughs) I was like, I was curious. I was wondering how they were going to, because I I was talking with somebody, I thought it was you, maybe it was somebody else, about how that, how they're going to bring Deadpool and Wolverine together. It has to be, and get the X-Men into the fold, you know, into the the MCU. And I figured it had to be something like that. (laughs) Or, you know, some multiverse of madness. But it makes uh, sense because he was tampering with timeline yes. at the end of Deadpool too. So it's like this yeah. makes perfect sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yep. And so, yeah. So they want Deadpool, but they don't. Of course, it never really tells you why. Right. So, Basically, to help save, to help save the, the timeline or the unit, the multiverse or whatever. And he's like, "I'm the Messiah. I'm Marvel genius or Marvel Jesus. Marvel Jesus." Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious if they're going to use his movie to maybe do the reset that they talked about. Cause yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it's like the comics where Deadpool kills the MCU, but he's like, yeah, I took them all out, but I got to leave you with something. So right. I'll give you my version. Yep. Then <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're finally going to get Wolverine. Yep. A variation of which Wolverine we're getting. Cause you know, multiverse. True. So, or multiverses, maybe we're getting several different ones because I saw Deadpool walking through a casino and you can walking up to a guy in the white sport coat with the Wolverine hair. So, I wonder if we're getting eye patch Wolverine when awesome. him and Gray, when him and Gray Hulk were running a club or something like that. It's God, that's been forever, but I'd said we have read a couple of those comics, I think, growing yeah. up, which that would be dope. But obviously, we're going to get classic Wolverine suit that's already been leaked and then oh okay well i'm not going to give that away but if you look up on imdb there's a slight spoiler of a somebody that's going to be in the movie that wasn't in the trailer yeah but we also saw a bunch of time variant people also coming after him and then we saw a very brief glimpse and i had to rewind it and then pause it but we are getting dr doom because he is in the trailer. Hmm. Getting Doctor, you go back. The thing that when he gets thrown right after Deadpool gets thrown, it shows it says like happy ending, and then you see Deadpool going through the back of a car window mm-hmm. and flailing, and then there's a guy controlling this metal, almost looks like a satellite moving do you, around. Do you think that's Doctor Doom? It is. I paused it. Okay. I mean, because I paused screen, it like at I'm, that point too, but I just, I guess it's a different look at the moment. I don't know. It's the metal face, the green outfit, and the hood. Yeah. Okay. Looks like it to me. I mean, that's how you're going to get your 
Fantastic Four introduction. I still want Krasinski to come back in a cameo in Deadpool as as Reed Richards again. I mean, that was perfect. I mean, I just I don't understand. I mean, I like Peter Pascal. I do. Me too. He just said he's the new Chris Pratt. He has to be in everything. Yeah, it's just since we got that in Doctor Strange, it's like that was just perfect. (laughs) Just keep keep this and build everyone else around him. But yeah, multiverse. You got different people, so we just have that in our mind. Also, he's doing other things, so it could be a. I mean, it could literally just be a. I've got all these other projects that I'm either directing or starring, and you know, I can't dedicate that. He can't dedicate the ten plus, you know, however many years, at least ten years. Maybe that they make multiple. Maybe that cameo was kind of a stretch too. Yeah, no pun intended. Ayo. So, because a lot of that didn't look like reshoots or something that was just added, because it wasn't, you know, you could tell the quality is a little yeah. different compared yeah. to what, you know, so it seemed like something that they maybe added toward the end of production, and it wasn't, you know, just something like, hey, we want to do this, can we? And then they did it. <laughs> yeah. And also Pyro from the X-Men First Class trilogy is going to be, no, it's Pyro from the original. Never mind, I'd say that back. Yeah, because really, so it's like X Men Two, I think, was when Pyro got introduced. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, okay. that's when yeah. they went to Bobby's house and the parent and the parent and the brother dropped dime on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Jason Kelsey would never drop a dime on Travis. I'm just saying. I mean, not sober. Anyways, there we go. But yeah, so Pyro is in the trailer. Much older, didn't recognize him. I only saw it in a post later on after the trailer dropped. So it's going to be character filled, I think. And yeah. And they don't have to release anything else. They Just, don't. That's it. Nothing Please else. Don't. Nothing Please else. Don't. No other trailer. Let this trailer carry us to July. Facts. That's it. My favorite was, so yeah, so Ryan Reynolds posted, posted the saying that said, you know, uh, best or, I forgot what his post exactly was. Or it just was Deadpool and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And and then Hugh Jackman posted it said, here, fixed it. And it says, it says Wolverine and asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, love it. And then the director, Sean Weeby, posted it says, I am Switzerland. <laughs> Staying neutral. Uh, it was great. So. They're already having a lot of fun with that. Next, one that I'm excited for, my mom I know will be excited for, the theatrical trailer for the very extremely popular musical, Wicked, directed by John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. A credit that he's not going to really want to have brought up, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yeah. but And then Step Up 3, which is still hands down my favorite Step Up movie. Okay, it's tied with with Trish's. So step up all in. Yeah, but I watched three. The the music in three I enjoy more than, but that's not her her five. And yeah, so Wicked, after two decades as one of the most beloved and enduring musicals on the stage, Wicked makes its long awaited journey to the big screen as a spectacular generation defining cinematic event this holiday season coming out this November. 27. So you got Cynthia Erivo 
that's going to play Elphaba. Ariana Grande is Glinda. But then you also have Michelle Yeoh as Madame Morrible. Jeff Goldblum is going to play the wizard. He's going to drop an apartments.com ad somewhere in there. Yes. Alphaba, that's, uh, that's right. <laughs> Get you into a one bedroom that allows pets. Yes, yes, yes. I'm terrible at impressions. I just really am. <laughs> but I'm still going to do it anyway, so I don't care. Bowen Yang's going to be also, looks like. <clears throat> but yeah, I think it looks great myself. I think it's going to be great. My sister-in-law has already made plans for all of us to go see it over Thanksgiving. York, I'm sure, will be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> him and him and my brother can just chill and play Xbox or whatever. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to be upset about that. And then, yeah, I think it looks, looks dope. I'm ready for it. Next. So, our good friend Marlea from the Strange South podcast asked me about what movies I was excited for this year. I really had a hard time answering that question because unlike the last, unlike last year, there was a bunch of great movies that were coming out that I was like ready for. Like I cannot wait this year. Not so much this year. I really am like not really a whole lot that I'm that excited about. And then I started looking at all the movies coming out this summer and I realized, and then I realized this summer is going to be the summer of sequels. You have Twisters, which we got the trailer for mm-hmm. at Super Bowl. I think Glenn Powell was a great choice to find the cocky, whatever person trying to take over Bill Pullman's role, I guess. Yeah. And then you got Maura Tierney, who I absolutely love. Coming back from China Beach eons ago. And ER and all that. Anyway, Stacey Edgar Jones is also going to be in it. In a David Corn Suite, who, as most people may know, has been cast as the new Superman in the James Gunn franchise. Anthony Ramos, who I really like from In the Heights and the latest Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. Directed by Lee Isaac Chung. An update to the 1996 film Twister, which centered on a pair of storm chasers who risk their lives in an attempt to test an experimental weather alert system. Set to be released July 19th. So, should I don't know. Hopefully it'll be good. I don't know. But I don't know why we... I think it'll be great in 4DX. And you will have to tell me how it was. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe maybe the sequel's a little too late, maybe. Yes. Because it's you know, it's been a while since the original. Yes. So it's been twenty eight years. Yeah, so I'm just like maybe like a couple years after the original should have got a sequel and then Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, don't get don't get me wrong, it'll look great in IMAX. Yeah. And I'll probably go see it in IMAX. Yeah. But eh, I'm not again, I'm not looking I'm not like Cutting down the days or anything. Sure. Then, of course, the aforementioned Deadpool 3, Inside Out 2, Bad Boys 4, and Furiosa, a Mad Max sequel. For prequel. Prequel. Yeah. So, I mean, that's five five movies already that are just sequels that are coming out this summer. 
I mean, out of those, I'm only looking forward to Deadpool and then Yeah. And then you got I guess the month before that you got the new Quiet Place movie. So Yes. And that's so. the next speaking of which oh. that moving on to that one. My bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're good. Hey, you're good, man. Don't worry. But as oh, don't forget Despicable Me four also coming out. That's July 3rd. So, yeah, there you go. Gru, Lucy, Margo, Edith, and Agnes welcome a new member to the family, Gru Jr., who is intent on tormenting his dad. Gru faces a new nemesis in Maxime Lamont and his girlfriend, Valentina, and the family is forced to go on the run. There's another sequel for you. Yeah, so, so John Krasinski did not direct a quiet place colon day one. But the the premise is basically literally the day that the aliens or creatures landed on Earth and the initial attack and everything. So experience the day the world went quiet. June twenty eighth, twenty twenty four. I'm definitely gonna watch this because I really enjoyed the other two. And the other two are really great. So Okay, first one was amazing. Second one was very entertaining and did its, for a sequel, did a good job. You know, did what it was supposed to be. This one, I think the budget got too high. The one that's coming out. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's in a different location. You know, at least you get it. It's in a different location and very, yeah, it's going to be more. One, you know, since it's a prequel, we get someone returning that we saw in the last one. So we get more of this character. (laughs) Yes. This will have Joseph Quinn, Ichiban Hansu, Lupita Nyong'o, Alex Wolf. Yeah, it'll be directed by Michael Sarnowski. But I think it looks, I think it looks intense. I don't know. I mean, it's it's playing to its strengths. <laughs> yeah. So next, you kind of got so the trailer for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes actually has already come out, but the but the one the Super Bowl ad was different, and I don't really think it expressed kind of the main plot or the main what the story is about. It kind of just it was a good teaser, but the main trailer I thought was better. But many years after the reign of Caesar, a young ape goes on a journey that will lead him to question everything he's been taught about the past and make choices that will define a future for apes and humans alike. Directed by West Ball. Yeah, well, we'll see. We shall see. That looks cool. Which is coming out May 10th. So, if you consider May almost summertime because kids are getting out, then there you go. Summer yeah. of sequels. I guess uh, they got hey, playing it safe. <laughs> listen, at least A24 is great about putting out original content. Yeah. Oh. Original interesting content at that. Speaking of A24, yeah, there's a trailer that I saw yesterday when I went to see the two movies I watched. They have a movie. When you get a chance, just look it up. It's a movie called Sasquatch Sunset. If you want to talk about it, it is by Ari Aster, so you know it's going to be odd. Oh, shit. So I just say look it up and then determine whether or not it's something you'll actually want to watch because I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Sounds like a sounds like a sounds like a a Bigfoot rom-com or romance. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You don't know. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> and then lastly, there was a new Fall Guy teaser with 
the other Canadian, Ryan, Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. I really don't need any more trailers. I think it's going to be a fun ride, and I can't wait to see that one. Also, I grew up on The Fall Guy with Lee Majors, Sign, and Douglas Barr. Some he already had me sold. And then he told me Ryan Gosling's in it. Yep, I'm there. You know, Jesse Eisenberg, Riley Keough. A year in the life of a unique family, it captures the daily life of the Sasquatch with a level of detail and rigor that is simply unforgettable. Coming out April 19th. It must be, Ari Aster must be producing it because it has David Zellner as the writer and director. Okay. I just remember seeing yeah. his name attached to it. So, yeah. Nathan <clears throat> and David Zellner. Sorry. The brothers Zellner directing. But yeah, still, put it down. Still kind of odd. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. An A24 Sasquatch movie? I'm there. I'm, I'm already, yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. And hey, that's all we got for trailers. I'm sorry that we didn't have a whole lot. <laughs> all right, man. Go hit me up with the hit me up with some Argyle. All right. <clears throat> Argyle, originally released February 2nd of this year, runtime of an hour and 39 minutes. And it is directed by Matthew Vaughn. You may remember him from, you know, little movies, X Men, First Class, or The Kingsman. Nope. Um, <laughs> but it's starring, kick-ass. huh? Kick ass, yeah, kick ass. And it stars Bryce Dallas Howard as Ellie Conway, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, yeah, Catherine O'Hara, Henry Cavill, Sophia Batella, Dua Lipa, Ariana DeBose, John Cena, and Samuel L. Jackson. This is about a reclusive author who writes espionage novels about a secret agent and a global spy syndicate, realize the plot of the new book she's writing starts to mirror real-world events in real time. So basically, after her fifth release, she's in the middle of writing her next novel, and as we see in the trailer, she's basically reading it to her mom, and the ending is more of a cliffhanger, which her mom says is a (laughs) cop-out. You know, just go ahead and end this, because, you know, you're at the end. Let's finish it. And so her mom says she'll come in to help her write it. But instead, Ellie says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to my mom. I'm going to go see her. So on the train ride, so on the train ride, she runs into an actual spy named Aiden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, he's sitting across from her, talking to her about how he loves the cat and he loves to read. So he's reading her book, but she kind of tries to act coy and act like, you know, that's not her. But then he goes off to explain that everybody else on their particular car are people probably sent the killer, which she's kind of confused, not really buying it. And she's very much an introvert. (laughs) So she's kind of shy, timid and whatnot. So a fan comes up to her, like in the trailer, wants her to sign his book. The pen he has is actually a needle. And then Aiden goes into protective mode, starts fighting them and then reveals that other people on the cart are indeed out to get her. So he, he's, fighting them, taking them on. But while he's fighting them, Ellie is kind of picturing her character, Argyle, and taking Aiden's place. So it kind of, kind of jumps back and forth between seeing Aiden and seeing okay. Argyle fighting. So she's kind of having this reality. She's, you know, she's, Blend. you know, she's yeah, yeah. blended in with what she's seeing as it relates to her book. And But, you know, he handles all the bad guys and they escape. And 
So the next mission is to try to find this master key to try to reveal. Okay. He explains to her that her book somehow mirrors an actual organization called the division. Mm -hmm. And he explains that they're after her because they think that there are clues and what she might write next that will help them find what they're looking for. Yeah. And so this leads them to London where they're trying to find a master key that'll help that would expose the division, basically what their organization is about, who the members are. And they're trying to find this key before them because they don't want that information out. And so it's, she's not really believing what's happening. Like she can't believe that she's, you know, next to this actual spy and that her books are predicting the future. She, she, you know, she just looks herself as an author. Like I'm just writing books. Sorry that it happens to mirror real life type deal. But while in London, they, she happens over here, Aiden in the bathroom talking to someone. And she he mentions she should, she deserves a bullet in the head. <laughs> oh, damn. So this causes her to take her cat and flee and go to her parents' house. So, you know, she's there. Aiden shows up and he's telling her that her parents are actually part of the division and that they may not be her actual parents. So she right. needs to come with him. And this, along with other things in the movie, it's like, it's real twist turny type thing. And it's like, it's, it's it is kind of difficult to talk about. Cause I don't want to mm. reveal things that I shouldn't. Cause it's going right. to ruin the experience. But overall, I feel like it was fun. It was a different approach to this, to I guess this genre. Yeah. But you know, you have this introverted author who finds out her book is revealing secrets to a real organization and they're wanting to use her to find the thing that they're looking mm -hmm. for. And then she's finding out that her parents may not be who she thinks they are. So she's having this real, almost an identity crisis. Like, okay, what's yeah. real, what's not. And yeah, like it is really difficult to talk about this without spoiling it. Because gotcha. <laughs> yeah. there are just a lot of things that if you choose to watch, it's, I'd rather you watch it and see it for the first yeah. time, you know, so, so, the, so the experience is there like I had. But I will say that there is a mid-credit scene that you want to stay for. And then there was an interview that I watched with John Cena and Ariana DeBose where Ariana DeBose actually does a couple songs for the soundtrack, one of which being Electric Energy, which plays during the credits. And yeah, it's her, Boy George, Nile Rodgers, and it's a great song. Like, it's real... I listened to it before we started recording and it just, it's a real get the energy up literally. Okay. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like this movie might not be for everyone though, just because of how they approach the story. And it's a lot of like, like that's the train scene where she's seeing her character plus mm -hmm. Aiden kind of switch back and forth. And it happens a lot throughout the movie. So that might not be everybody's cup of tea. Okay. But uh, just kind of be open to it. <laughs> Cause it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a few twists that, you know, you may like, you may not. And yeah. I read, I read some articles where some people, there's one thing that they didn't like about this movie that bothered them. And that, that may have affected their enjoyment of the movie, but I just suggest watching it with open mind and taking it in as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it the uh, parallels between Bryce Dallas Howard's character and Taylor Swift? Was that it? <laughs> Cause apparently there's a lot of that in there, like yeah. unintentional things like the whole, backpack with the you know the backpack with the cat in it and the little yeah. viewing i guess the little, little plastic bubble, bubble. yeah yeah taylor swift had one and that's actually where matthew vaughn got the idea for the cat 
Yeah. From seeing the picture, seeing the picture of her taking one of her cats. Yeah. Uh, in that there's like some, some of these like fan, like just theories going out. And I only know because I watched an interview, I think it was Fallon did with Bryce Dallas Howard. And then she ended up bringing a lot of that stuff to Matthew Vaughn's attention. He's like, yeah, I not know, but if it gets people talking about the movie, sure. Let's, you know, <laughs> hey. but yeah, that's, it, I thought that was interesting. But yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, but I thought it was a fun ride. <clears throat> Good. I still want to go see it. It's just, yeah. So I finally went to go see the Academy Award nominated and Golden Globe winner for best animated feature. Mm-hmm. For this year, I saw The Boy and the Heron, which and I saw the dubbed version because by the time I got there, the just the subtitle version was out of theaters and only the dubbed version was available. This was part of my double feature that I was actually able to do because we weren't recording on Monday. I was able to go see two movies. Actually, no, I, I, I take that back. I went and saw it on a Wednesday that I had off because I had switched dates with someone. So I didn't have to worry about picking up any kids or anything. It was really wild. We literally yeah. had the entire day. And so first of all, just real brief, I went and saw Godzilla minus one in black and white, minus color, I guess we call it. Yeah. And the one thing I will tell you that this movie did was that add, why it's so good to have this version out. One, I think it adds more texture. Two, it gives you that OG Godzilla movie watching feel. Mm-hmm. like watching the very first one that was in black and white from 1956, something like 54, 56. It gives you that feel because the Godzilla that's in Godzilla minus one moves much like the original one does. It's slow, cumbersome and fully upright. Yeah. The black and white adds the forties feel to like to dramas that, and really you can, it has you paying attention to different things that you, wouldn't if you were watching it in color and it kind of just it's it really is like a whole different kind of experience even though you're watching the movie you've already seen in color yeah and like you i think i agree that i think it should have been released in black and white first and then released in color yeah like maybe include the color version when it really when it releases yeah but yeah i mean it it made it more like horror (laughs) in a way yeah yeah and it was phenomenal. I still love this movie. And I'm glad it's got a nomination for Best Visual Effects. Yeah, because it was great. And yeah. I can't wait for this to come out on on 4K for me to get. Hopefully, they should. I would. I, I can't see them not including both the color and black and white version. Yeah. For marketing purpose, they'll probably have the standard come out in a couple of weeks later or a month. Yeah. Or do both. You know, you gotta yeah. depend gotta, on how this gotta, depends on who's doing the distribution of the Blu-ray. Back. Well should, I would yeah. Be Warner Brothers. Probably Toho. But I'd probably be Warner Toho. Like like the US would probably be Warner Brothers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Guess we'll see. Godzilla stuff, Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Anyways, this was my second feature after that one. <laughs> so it was great different it was definitely a change yeah <laughs> well what oh oh and i didn't, i forgot to mention the most important thing about that godzilla minus one minus color experience because mm-hmm. i went for the time it was showing at an 11 
and this one was showing at like a 130 or something like that. And I was like, okay. So I got my ticket. And then it said 40X. I go, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get my ass. I was like, I am so going to get my ass kicked in this movie. And I really didn't get it kicked, but I did almost get it. I And I'm not even trying to exaggerate about this. I legit almost got thrown out of my chair three different times in this movie. See, that's like my Dragon Ball Z experience. Yeah. And again, I'm not getting like the shoulder blade things and stuff like that. I don't even think that even happened the entire movie. Was I got sprayed a lot with the water. Yeah. But it's just the it's the back and forth and then side to side and it just about tossed me out of my chair. I was like, good night, man. It's time to install seatbelts. And it's yeah. And it's crazy because there's not because it's mostly a drama, so for the most part, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. In the 40s experience. So when it does, you have to, it catches you off guard a little bit because you forget that you're in a 40 40x movie. You get comfortable, like uh, oh, and yeah. oh, like oh, crap. Then you get sprayed in the face. Yeah, like, oh yeah, forgot about that. I mean, I could turn that part off, but it's fun. <laughs> Anyways, I go from that to this in just a regular standard small theater. The boy and the heron is rated PG thirteen, runtime of two hours and four minutes. Little long, but I, yeah. I cut it about twenty to thirty minutes, and you'd be all right. And they and there's areas I know you can do it. This movie goes without saying, it's Hayao Miyazaki movie. He started working on this movie in 2016. He said he could devote five to ten minute directing five to ten minutes of animation a month because he you know he's older. And yeah, yeah, I get it. And so it took. A while he went ahead and started working on it before he even got greenlit i'm pretty sure name recognition alone would have been like yep go ahead man you're gonna make a movie even though you say you're retired go for it go right ahead exactly we'll be here when you're ready <laughs> exactly no doubt so yeah a young boy named Mahito, yearning for his mother ventures into a world shared by the living and the dead there death comes to an end and life finds a new beginning because it's a Miyazaki movie. It's going to, it's very fantastical and it, mm. and not only it's animation, it's very abstract. There's a lot of amazing characters in this film, just their character design. You, like just by looking at them, you can already go, okay, I know who this person is. Just yeah. gauging their characteristics and everything. It is. So it is weird because it is post-World War II. I believe because his mom dies in a fire at work when he was a small boy. And the next thing you know, dad's like, yep, we're moving away. And, but it gives no concept or no idea of time, like how much time has passed. True. He, and he didn't look that much older than he did at the beginning, but he's moving essentially to the country, leaving the city, moving to the country. His dad's got a factory that he, that he owns that lives out there or that is running out there. And he goes out there and I'm thinking they're meeting like a relative or something. And nah, the homeboy has already got another wife and she's pregnant. Right. And about, and about to have the baby. We're not talking about like she just got pregnant, you know, and not even showing. No, no, no. Homegirl's like nine months pregnant and ready to have this child. And not only that, his new wife is his ex-wife's sister or deceased wife's. Yeah. I really ex, but his deceased wife's sister. 
I was like, whoa, <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into, man? Like, could be a culture thing. Maybe it's his marriage with his original wife was arranged, and like, if something happens to her, then it just transitions to the sister, or I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like, know, man. I'm I'm just, just, like, I just roll with it. I, I was already like, I'm confused. <laughs> and it can't be World War II. Well, no. And maybe it wasn't even post war. Maybe it was just something wanted to tell me. But I just know there was his mom had died at a fire at a at work or something like that. Anyway, so he's still mourning the loss of his mother. He really doesn't want to go do anything. He really doesn't want to explore. He really doesn't want to get to know. I wouldn't say get to know his new mother, but you would think they would at least. I mean, it's his aunt and now stepmom, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they still met. It's a lot. They had to have met at least once because, you know, the Japanese culture is very close. Yeah, apparently real close. (laughs) Apparently real close. Facts. (laughs) <laughs> what you said it's wild this movie's wild i mean so yeah, yeah so he sees the terror and that keeps showing up at and tries he starts following it and decides to finally go explore and discovers his house and it is it's boarded you know it's like boarded it's hard to get into there's no real entrance he discovers like a not really a cave but kind of looks like a cave but it's like a hole that kind of leads up to the interior of the house yeah. Sees the heron go in there and, you know, dropping feathers and everything. So he follows the heron. The heron ends up being able to talk. Well, not that time. He ends up having, you know, the group of grandmothers or whatever that help out around the house. Uh, you know, get him to come and you know, get him out of there and get him back to the house. Time for dinner and everything. And his father, yeah. you know, coming home. Then the next day he follows the heron. He sees the heron goes in there. You know, leaving feathers and everything. And the head and the and the the heron's actually talking to him in English. You know, talking to him, talking heron. But then it's really cool because the animation goes from the beaks of the heron to like a human head comes out. Yeah, that and it cool. starts talking to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a Miyazaki movie, so I knew it's going to be stuff like that because it's again, it's very fantastical and not going to be something you're normally used to seeing. It's like, yo, yeah, why not? Why don't we have him do this? Yeah. It then leads him on this journey. He's like, I can show you where your mom is. She's not, you know, not dead. Or no, his his aunt disappears. She walks off into the woods and is never seen again. So he's yeah. trying to, he's like, I can, basically the heron's like, I can be your guide to show you where she's at. So then it's just about the two of them going on this journey. They really don't like each other, but they kind of have to work together type of thing yeah and you can meet all kinds of fascinating different creatures a bunch of like parakeets that are evil parakeets that are chasing after them it's wild it's a very very interesting movie in which he also meets his grandfather who's at the end of space and time i guess or at least of that of that world and he's the one that had been placed in charge to try and keep it running and not devolving into chaos. So it's, it's pretty interesting for sure. I think if you have teenagers that are into like anime and manga and stuff like that, I think more than likely they've already seen a Miyazaki movie or two or a lot. And they too will like this one. And I would recommend it for them. Adults. It kind of just depends on what you're interested in. So this is if you like Miyazaki's other movies, 
This one's a little bit different. Again, it moves a little slow, but Miyazaki movies have never been known for their, you know, fast pacing. But it is still very entertaining. It does, you know, deals about, you know, there's a lot of themes about life and death and where we go and how to grieve. A lot of Miyazaki movies are about grieving the loss of death and moving on. So it's, but it's really well done. I liked it. I still, 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 still love Across the Spider-Verse more as far as move as a whole. Mm -hmm. I think it's more entertaining. The music and the, the soundtrack and the score are on on point. So yeah, by the way, for the record, it's my mom who is retired has all the and I'm very jealous of her having all the time in the world to go see all the Academy Award nominated movies had started across the Spider-Verse but has not finished it. And I told her you need to tell me when you finished it because I need to know what you think. But what from what she has seen so far, she's really liked it. So that's it. So well it was me and Patrick's favorite movie of last year. Yeah. The kids really like it. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, Boy in the Heron was good. I enjoyed it. Definitely check it out. Yeah, I'd watched it. It was subtitled. Yeah. And then it was late. So, yeah, I know I dozed off a little bit. <laughs> Just because oh, of the I, time. It's because of the time yeah. frame. But I mean, it's definitely something that, I guess, if you're not a fan of subtitles, watch it in dub so you don't have to worry about yeah. reading. But definitely worth checking out. Yep. Alrighty. So, my second movie, I watched. Miller's Girl. Now, this isn't one, something that I've even known about. I just happened to be looking at the Regal app and saw it listed, watched the trailer, mm-hmm. and all right, Jenna Ortega, Arn Freeman. Cool. Yeah. I'm interested. But this released in uh, January 26th this year, runtime of an hour and 33 minutes, directed by Jade Haley Bartlett. And it stars Martin Freeman, Jenna Ortega, Dagmara Dominicic. I think that's how you say it. Bashir Salhuddin and Gideon Adian and Kristen, Christine Adams. So this is about a creative writing assignment. Yields complex results between a teacher and his talented student. So Jenna Ortega plays Cairo Sweet. She's an 18-year-old student, but she's a wealthy girl. She lives alone in her parents' mansion in Tennessee. And they're attorneys. And they just, they're not there. They're away on a business trip, so she's got the house to herself. And so she's taken up a creative writing class. And the teacher is Jonathan Miller, played by Martin Freeman. And so she basically impresses him because of her knowledge of writing. Like he has a list of books that they were supposed to read, 12 Mm -hmm. books, and she expressed she's already read them. And so it's like, all right. And she's actually read his book because he was an author at one point. And the title of his book is Apostrophes and Ampersands. Nice. So he got he, he he eventually got married and gave up writing, I guess, because he wasn't getting the feedback that he thought he'd get. So it kind of right. discouraged him. So he just focused on being a teacher. But his wife, Beatrice, has actually become a successful writer. So she's still going. And she does take moments to kind of throw jabs at Miller for not. Mm-hmm continuing his passion you know in their relationship they don't really have a lot of romance and kind of estranged so his interaction with with cairo kind of i guess 
intrigues him because or maybe it reminds him of himself by how he likes to read and everything. But um, so Cairo is trying to get ad- admitted into Yale and part of her, you know, I guess you always, you always got to write an admission essay. Yeah. So, yep. so the subject is what her greatest achievement is to date, but she doesn't feel like she's really had an achievement. You know, she has really uh-huh. accomplished that. So yep. she, ha- so her friend Winnie, Gives her the idea of the experience and has her to experience the excitement of a teacher-student relationship, basically. And she herself is trying to, I guess, make a relationship out of another teacher, Boris Fillmore, who happens to be Miller's mm-hmm. best friend. So Cairo's experiment, so to speak, I guess just to see how, how things go with this student-teacher relationship, which obviously shouldn't happen because the age difference and the fact that student student teacher. Right. But, you know, she basically throws out the bait. Yeah. And Jonathan Miller takes it and runs with it. They kind of engage. I mean, it's not really, you know, like they're actually intimately involved. It's more or less yeah. intellectual back and forth. He right. even suggests she goes to this house where they have poetry readings for her to check it out. And when she arrives, she's hoping he shows up, which he does. He probably shouldn't have, but he does. Yeah, and it, more or less, he shows up just just because he thinks that when she goes, she'll think it's dumb and boring, but she actually likes it. Yeah, and which surprises him. They share a cigarette sitting outside, so I'm like, I guess in that, I guess implies kissing in a way because they're sharing a cigarette. <laughs> I don't know, but his wife suggests an idea that they go on a vacation because they haven't been anywhere and she's been focused on her book so much. Like, let's yeah. get away because you know we need to get back to us. But he has also already talked about Cairo, how she's as a student, how impressed he is with her intelligence. But it doesn't seem to affect things too much. But when they're about to go, his wife's agent interrupts their preparation to the trip so she can keep working on the book. So when he's leaving school, he interacts with Cairo and gives her an assignment of writing a story in the, I guess, in the style of her favorite author. And she chooses yeah. an author that's not necessarily approved reading, but he trusts, he says he trusts her enough to do it to where, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. Right. So in this interaction, he somehow gets a hold of her phone and she ends up calling, say he needs to return in person. When he goes, it's raining. They're kind of implying some, you know, mm. I guess romance, whatever. Yeah. Then there's a scene that, has since sparked some controversy, which it doesn't show much. It's just they show him kissing. He goes in a room and she assumes a certain position while reading the book, and that's it. They don't really show anything, they just imply it. Yeah. And but we don't know if that's something that actually happens or is it part of what she's writing, and we're just getting that yeah. as a visual. But yeah, I mean it's a lot of inappropriate behavior and things of that nature, but outside of all that. You know, the performances, the acting, because there's a scene where, you know, he's the teacher, so he's got kind of the authority and she's a student. But there's a moment where that kind of shifts and they literally have her like he's there to get to his desk at school. You have to step up. So he's standing below that area and she's standing above him, kind of showing the shift of power where she's kind of control. And just just that whole that moment right there was pretty intense and reminded me of hers Wednesday. You know, just, you know, she's. Yeah, she's the crazy one. Don't mess with me, type deal. 
because he realizes that some of the things they're doing has gone too far. He yeah. rejects her. She doesn't like it. And things turn now. But they don't really go as far as I thought they would with her. I guess, you know, the woman scorn type deal yeah. they don't go too far with that. And they kind of leave it open to what happens. But I mean, performances performance wise, it was great kind of a throwback to the 90s where you have the student falling for the teacher and you know it's yeah. not right but the teacher engages realizes the mistake and tries to flip it but ends up hurting the student and it just just doesn't work out <laughs> for him at the end because he shouldn't have engaged in the first place yep but but yeah it yeah it's definitely not gonna be everybody's favorite cup of tea thing because yeah the world we're in now everybody's sensitive i didn't really see too much of issue with the with the movie itself i mean it was kind of uncomfortable with just thinking of the whole situation of young student teacher like you know that that's that shouldn't happen but it does <laughs> and but it's just kind of i guess a look at certain situations that happen yep yeah but but i like the performances in it a sweet 90 minute spot the uh, nice sweet spot there you time. Go. but uh, yeah it was cool Awesome. Real quick, I watched a movie called El Conde. It is on Netflix. It apparently came out like this past September. It is nominated for Best Cinematography, sadly not Best Foreign Language Film, because I really, really like this. I'll probably watch it again. It is Chilean, brought to you by the country of Chile. It is rated R, the runtime one hour, 50 minutes. It is shot completely. 90, 99.4% in black and white. There's like literally one scene for about 15 to 30 seconds at the very end of the film where it's in color. So it's it's really not that long. I highly suggest going into this without watching a trailer because I didn't. And I just really thoroughly enjoyed this. It is English dubbed. So when you watch it on Netflix, it is dubbed and it does. It's not like distracting. Okay. I feel like the voice actors really fit. Like it just fits. Like there's some where you're like, it does seem like that voice would be coming out of that person or it just doesn't. It's off, you know? Yeah. Or the, or the voiceovers just aren't, the dubbing's not matching. And so they did a great job with all of that. So, after living 250 years in this world, Augusto Pinochet, who is not dead, but an aged vampire, decides to die once and for all. Or does he? <laughs> Directed by Pablo Lorraine. Larian? Larian? There are a bunch of there are actors and actresses that you will not know. So, I'm not going to even try to make an attempt at their, at their names. So the thing that kills me is that this is rated R and there is some fairly gruesome violence, but it's all in black and white. So it's usually that kind of gets the PG 13 method. If it's in black and white, cause it doesn't actually show the blood in red. Yeah. That's how Sin City still got the red or I mean, still got the uh, rated R because they still show the blood in red. It was the only thing colorized. Dang. But the color red was the only thing. Anyways, well, in the language, also the language of this one's not even that bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's an interesting take on on the Dracula story. The 
title translates, El Conde, you know, basically translates to the Count. Obviously, it itself an allusion to Dracula. So, yeah. So the in last year, the director spoke to the Hollywood Reporter about the origin of the idea of vampires making blood smoothies. Because that's how, instead of like sucking on their neck Mm -hmm. and draining people of their blood, they basically pulled the heart out and then put the hearts in a blender and then make smoothies out of them. He said, well, it's a joke. I don't know. Every time I go to L.A., there are all these people making smoothies out of anything and everything. And then that became a fashion everywhere. It spread from California to everywhere. So we thought that instead of having the vampires do the classical neck bite, it's sucking the blood and all that. The smoothie thing would be a funny idea and an interesting political comment too. to open the chest of someone and take out their heart and put it into a blender. You know, the vampires are very eloquent and particular in their motivations. So it's, it's really interesting. And, yeah, you see it, take it out, toss it in there, and turn the blender on, and make smoothies. Sounds so nice. it's interesting. So this, so yeah, <laughs> so this guy was Augusto Pinochet was born a vampire, and it towards the end it gets into the origin of his birth and who his parents are, and it's oh this movie is narrated. It's so I as I kept as I was watching this, I was thinking this movie, it's like. It, it, it's trying to be it's very artistic in its cinematography which is why it's not, got a best cinematography nomination beautiful to watch it, it i thought it was italian at first because i see a lot of it's heavily inspired like shots that look like they're like from old italian movies mm-hmm. and no it's i was quickly corrected when i looked it up that it's chilean but beautiful to look at the characters are funny because this is technically a dark comedy dark comedy drama it's very quirky much like a wes anderson film is quirky there's a but minus the music okay minus like quirky music to go with you know the tone of like a wes anderson film obviously it's in black and white so there's not like all that color like in a wes anderson but as far as like if you're trying to picture what these characters look like Mm -hmm. that's what it reminds me of because he it shows pinochet going you know living through various different time periods watching the beheading of marie antoinette and then going up to the guillotine and looking the blood off off the whatever you call it the guillotine after she died and then serving in various different revolutionaries and starting starting all these coups and it becomes a general for the for the Chilean army and now living a bunch of people and having all this money. And then it just kind of fast forwards to, he is an older man now that's married, that has a wife, I think five kids. And he's talking about how he's had to fake his death several different times when it looks like there people will be coming after him to try and kill him. He just yeah. fakes his own death. And they wait till the funeral, and then you know they move somewhere else. And so he has finally decided he's tired of having to go out and feed and all this stuff. And he's never turned to any of his kids. He's never turned his wife into a vampire. So they're straight because they he wants them to have to have the natural experience. 
Right. And so they, they end up, they're bickering because he's talking about how he's, his time has come. It's time for him to finally just die, you know, and he doesn't want to do it. Essentially he doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> he's tired and of so living. It's about, pretty much. So it's about all, it's about the kids bickering about the inheritance, which there isn't much left. Yeah. Cause yeah, he, cause he didn't handle his finances very well. So, and in, he's gotten forgetful. So he forgets where he's left certain documents where certain monies and different things are that he hid throughout the world because he's a vampire and has yeah. traveled many places. And so he also gets, they also introduce a character that's a nun that with the church and obviously, but she's very smart in mathematics and accounting and different things. So they send the church sends her to find Pinochet. And then they're, she's like just there. She's staying with them. She's interviewing them, talking to every, talking to all the kids about, about his business dealings, finances and stuff like that. And then find, and then the more they talk to her and the more she is documenting everything about basically all these frauds and different third pay taxes on different things and that they're realizing that oh crap we're going to be in a bunch of <laughs> we're going to be in a bunch of trouble yeah but also passing it off under their dad saying well he was really the one in charge dang that's a little familiar. but yeah it so you kind of kind of see that you know this family's kind of getting what this you know what they deserve and it's just this disorganization but meanwhile there's still vampire stuff going on. Like he's still going out, having to go out feed and do all this stuff. One thing I thought visually that's really cool. He still wears his like general uniform whenever he goes out to feed. So it's almost like putting on, putting on, you know, like a costumed uniform, like a superhero, or in this yeah. case, a super villain. And then complete with this, you know, five point hat and his cape. So when okay. he's flying, the cape's flapping in the wind, much like a, much like Dracula. So it's really cool. I highly recommend it. I had a, I really enjoyed watching this. I want to, I'm definitely going to want to watch it again. It's again, beautiful to look at. The, the only thing, the only complaint, if there is one, is that because of how quirky it is, it makes the tone for the movie kind of confusing at times Mm -hmm. because it just shifts from, from it trying just to be a dark comedy to like the vampire stuff. Which then makes it more horror based, and it's hard to. They do a fairly good job managing it, but it is it does kind of it is a little off putting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just trying to have that drastic change, but overall, really enjoyed it. Def, check it out, El Conde on the Netflix. Uh, real quick, I know that we're running super long, but that's what happens when we take a week off. We have a lot to cover. Uh, we also had the Directors Guild Awards. Christopher Nolan won for Oppenheimer for directing feature film. So yeah, we'll skip the TV stuff. Documentaries. Mr. Slav Chernov won directing for 20 Days in... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find the movie. 20 Days Mariupol. And Celine Song won... For past lives for first feature film. First time feature film. There we go. Oh. 
So Lifetime Achievement Award went to David Nutter and more TV stuff. And then Janet Knutson won the Frank Capro. So that's kind of the gist. There's other people that also won stuff, but that's kind of the gist. So we're looking at Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer winning Best Director. That that was going to be that all that surprising. Right. But congratulations to Celine Song. Past Lives was great. Uh, first time directing PGA Award. Well deserved. This week, we have Valentine's coming up two days for those that celebrate. We have our good friend and two-time, three-time guest. I've already lost track. Tracy is coming. Well, she'll be returning to to uh, talk to us about her latest movie, Players, which drops on Netflix on Valentine's mm-hmm. with uh, Gina Rodriguez, Damon Wayans Jr., Wadzikoshi, Tom. I can't remember his last name. He was in Lucifer. Yeah, good cast. It's like it'd be a great fun movie, good for Valentine's. As she as she told me when she went to go start shooting, not for kids. <laughs> not, a, not unlike the sleepover, not for kids. But yeah, so that comes out Valentine's. We are finalizing date and time to talk to her about that movie. So even though it's coming out, we will not be covering it next week because we will be saving it for when we talk to her. Yeah, have her on the show, and then. I know the one, definitely one Patrick's been waiting for. Already has his tickets. Madam Webb comes out. <laughs> man, I've I've already been asked by someone about it. They had just watched the trailer. It's like, man, it looks good. So they take they called me to ask me about yeah. it. What I thought, and I said, well, I'm hoping it's entertaining. Yeah. And then I explained that you know this is connected to Spider Man, but there's no Spider Man in it. And then it was like, oh. Yeah, I don't know about it now. <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, I'll wait till did you, you watch like, it. <laughs> did, did you like Morbius? You may like this. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think that he had watched it. So I said, if you watch Morbius, like it, then you'll probably like this. If you don't like it, then it's probably not going to be for you. <laughs> yeah, might not. I'm, it's probably not going to. I'm watching either way. But yep, yeah. same. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. But it's Sony and yep. their Spider-Verse. The bad side of it. <laughs> yep, that's the animated side. They're rocking with it, yeah. but because it also has Spider-Man in it. <laughs> exactly. Many Spider-Man. So yeah. we also have Bob Marley. One Love also comes out. That was good. And then Land of Bad, which stars a couple of Hemsworths, and I forgot who else. Oh, Russell Crowe. So one more. Never mind. Not coming to mind. So that comes out, looks like an action movie. Uh, that comes out Friday, and then Bleeding Love comes out as well. And then that's it. That's this week. Next week we have Driveway Dolls, and if you're, and if you have a teenager that loves anime and manga, then you will like. Then they will probably be excited for Demon Slayer next movie. And then the movie I we talked about the last episode, Patrick. Stop motion. Yeah. Coming out also the 23rd. So. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Trailer was enough. And then uh, February 24th, we had the SAG Awards on Netflix at 7 p.m. Yes, sir. That's pretty much the month. There we go. I covered, instead of just this week, I covered pretty much the whole month. Huh? 
All right. Some All right. Things, and then we'll see what pops up. What you said. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on this very extended episode. We had a lot to cover between the Super Bowl, trailers, and all of our uh, great movies that we got to watch and everything. And we will talk to you all post Valentine's with some more movies. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.